0: Let's pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you right now for an opportunity to share the truth of your word. We pray that the Holy Spirit will enlighten us and challenge us and convict us, change us. We thank you, Father, for your spirit being
1: in this place. We thank you that we are among brothers and sisters who worship you in spirit and in
0: truth. And Father, we're praying, God, that you would have your way in this place. We are inviting ask that the Holy Spirit would move out any distractions and that, Father God, you would bind the hand of the enemy. I will try to come and steal this word from our heart, from bearing fruit in our lives. We thank you that our preaching is not in vain, but, Father God, you get all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. Use me in this short time to preach your word. In Jesus' name, amen. We have our sister Michelle our official next level reader (laughs) to read verses 16 through 47. I would say you don't have to stand because of the length of the scriptures, but if Jesus could stay on the cross, Mark chapter 15, starting at the 16th verse.
1: Amen. The word reads, and the soldiers led him away into the hall called Praetorium and they called together the whole band and they clothed him with a purple and platted a crown of thorns and put it about his head and began to salute him, hail King of the Jews. And they smote him on the head with a reed and did spit upon him, and bowing their knees worshipped him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple from him and put his own clothes on him and led him out to crucify him. And they compelled one, Simon a Cyrenian, who passed by, coming out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to bear his cross. And they bring him unto the place Golgotha, which is being interpreted the place of a skull. And they gave him to drink wine mingled with myrrh, and he received it not. And when they had crucified him, they parted his garments, casting lots upon them what every man should take. And it was the third hour, and they crucified him. And the superscription of his accusation was written over the king of the Jews. And with him they crucified two thieves, the one on his right hand and the other one on his left. And the scripture was fulfilled with Seth, that he was numbered with the transgressors. And as they passed by, railed on him, wagging their heads and saying, art thou that destroyed the temple and built this in three days, save thyself and come down from the cross. Likewise, also the chief priests mocking said among themselves with the scribes, he saved others, himself he cannot save. Let Christ the King of Israel descend now from the cross that we may see and believe. And they that were crucified with him, reviled him, reviled him. And when the sixth hour was come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And on the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabbatani, which is being interpreted, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And some of them that stood by when they heard it said, behold, He called Elias. And one ran and filled a sponge full of vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink, saying, Let alone let us see whether Elias will come to take him down. And Jesus cried with a loud voice and gave up the ghost. And the veil of the temple was rented in twain from the top to the bottom. And when the centurion which stood over against him saw that he so cried out and gave up the ghost, he said, Truly this was the Son of God. There were also women looking on afar off, among whom was Mary Magdalene, and Mary the mother of James, the less and of Joseph and Solomon, who also when he was in Galilee, followed him and ministered unto him, and many other women which came up with him unto Jerusalem. And now when even was come, because it was a preparation, that is, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Amarthea, an honorable counselor, which also waited for the kingdom of God, came and went in boldly unto Pilate and craved the body of Jesus. And Pilate marveled if he were already dead. And calling unto him the centurion, he asked him whether he had been any while dead. And when he knew it of the centurion, he gave the body to Joseph. And he bought fine linen and took him down and wrapped him in the linen and laid him in a specular, <laughs> which was hewn out of a rock, and rolled a stone unto the door of the specular. And Mary Magdalene, and Mary the mother of Joseph, Joseph behold where he was laid.
0: Thus is the reading of the word of the Lord, amen. Somebody say thank you for the cross. We're going to talk about the greatest Christmas gift ever. That is the cross. What was just read in your ear was the account of the crucifixion of our Lord and Savior. What I would want to deal with today, I promise you I'm not going to be before you long. I'm going to move swiftly because I want to give you 18 points. Now, you're only supposed to have three when you preach. I'm going to give you 18 important facts about what the cross means to us. Amen? The first thing we want to understand before we even go into a lot of what this implies for us is the theological aspects of the cross and what it means to us theologically, how important the cross is for the believer. The fact that it proves, and it is one of the, the the foundations of the facts and the truths that we stand on in Christ and why
1: we believe what we believe is not just some figure of the cross, but
0: it is a historical um, event and things that took place that let us know that this indeed was our Messiah. Amen? And. That first point I want to make is three, all in one, is the fact that it fulfilled prophecy. Prophecy, right down to the detail, we talked about that in some of our classes, on how prophecy spoke to divine facts and truths that point to history, and what make our Christ, our Savior's um, birth, His death, and His resurrection so powerful is the fact that it was spoken from of before it ever happened. In Zechariah 12, verse 10, the Bible says, I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication so that they will look on me whom they have pierced and they will mourn for him as one that mourns for an only son and they will weep bitterly over him, like the bitter weeping over a firstborn. The fact that Zechariah prophesied this speaks to the event that we just read about, how his mother was standing there and they were all bitterly weeping at his her her firstborn son. So this was all prophetically spoken of in Isaiah fifty three four through seven. He said, surely our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities, for the chastising of our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging, we are healed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that is silent before his shearers, so he did not open his mouth. And we witnessed that in the last week when he did not say anything to Pilate. He did not answer his mouth. He didn't open his mouth. And it was prophetically spoken that he would be silent at this critical moment. Somebody say prophecy is powerful. And I believe one of the greatest ones, Psalms 22, 14, 18, 14 through 18, he said, I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. My strength is dried up like a pot My tongue cleaves to my jaw and you lay me in the dust of the earth for dogs have surrounded me. A band of evildoers has come past me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. they looked, they stared at me, and they divided my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. All prophetically spoken. From the very moment that he was accused, from him being quiet, from him being led to the cross, from him being pierced, from his mother crying, for us weeping, all was prophetically spoken. So we thank God for the cross and the prophecy that points to the cross. That's one, two, and three. That's three points I've given you. We're almost there. So he only got 15 more. Number four, what does the cross mean? He humbled himself. It is at the cross that Jesus humbled himself. The Bible says in Philippians 2, verse 8, being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. It would take God in the flesh, humbling himself, becoming like a man, giving up his throne, coming down to earth to die on a cross. Somebody say that takes humility. Some of us can't humble ourselves for nothing. Some of us don't know that now. Now, I I don't want you to sleep on this message. Because whatever Christ did, he says, now we must do. Right? So he humbled himself. He became obedient to the point of the cross. Now, we can humble ourselves, but can we humble ourselves to be obedient to the point of a cross? Most people will only humble themselves if it is to the point of their being exalted. Not to the point of them dying. See, true true humility is found in the place of a cross where you don't have to be recognized, where you don't have to be thanked, where you don't have to be lifted up, where you don't... It means I have to be willing to die for something that I think I'm better than. That's why I said Christ humbled himself to be found in the appearance of man. That's why people don't like to serve people that are under them. You ever been to a restaurant where, where, you, where, where people treat the waiter like crap? I watch people like that. Because it says a lot. Because that waiter is doing a humble service. I know what well, I paid. I want good service. if I paid what Jesus paid. And can he go good, good service? <laughs> okay, I'll move on because I got 14 more to go. Y'all stuck on humble. Y'all ain't going to make it The rest, past the rest. All right, number five. He demonstrated the greatest act of love. The Bible says in John 15, 13, greater love has no man in this than to lay down his life for his friends. So at the cross, he laid down his life, and he calls us friends. I'm not gonna die, anybody ain't gonna die for their friends, okay? Some of you won't die for your husband. Some of you won't die for your wife. I'm gonna leave that alone. But somebody say, thank God he loved us. That he laid down his life. Which brings us at number six, which is that point. He laid down his life. John 10, 11 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Don't talk about you want to be a pastor if you're not willing to lay down your life for... for Oh, Jesus. Jesus. See, a lot of people want to lead and a lot of people want people to follow. But a lot of people don't want to die. They don't want to lay down their life. Do you understand that is why you are supposed to bless me so good? Because I'm supposed to lay down my life. There's no way that I'm supposed to be. I have to go after you. That's, that's why I'll give you them calls. That's why I'll wait till you run out there long enough and go in. And God you could go out there, send a text. Go out there, give them a call. Go ahead, reach out. Because that's what a leader is supposed to do. Y'all not going to say nothing. You call it getting on your nerves. I. Yeah. You call it, why are you in my business? God calls it your sheep. Look at your neighbor and say, you a sheep. Go ahead, bye. Uh, sheep are dumb. Now look at him and say, you dumb. Yeah, see, you ain't gonna say nothing. That's why God needs shepherds in place, because sheep can act a fool. But the shepherd is supposed to lay there and watch for the wolf. I see the wolf coming. I know when the attack's coming, You don't hold. Somebody said, thank God for a shepherd. Yeah. The next thing, number seven, let me move on. He, he became sin. It's going to get good now. you right on key. Second Corinthians 5, 21. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. This is what he did on the cross. He became sin. Ooh. In other words, he became what you did. He became what, look at your neighbor say, he became what you did. Your your nasty self. He he became what you did. The thing that you're crying and weeping over that you can't get past, that you keep condemning yourself about, he became it. He didn't do it. He became it. Ooh. And once he became it, number nine, he died for it. Oh, Is it? No, eight? Oh, yes, he did. That's eight. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. So he became it, and he died for it. Come on. Romans 6, 8. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he now lives to God. So he had to become sin, then he had to die. Which means he transferred that to us, which now brings us to number nine, what he did on the cross, come on. Y'all know he died for our sin. 1 Corinthians 15, three, for I delivered to you as a first, the importance, which I also received that Christ died for our sins, according to the scripture. You got to see this. This is important. So he became it. He died to it. And he died for it. Ooh. He became what I did, he died to what I did, and then he died for what I did. If something's dead, you can't resurrect it. Jesus has resurrection power. He is the life. In order for him to die, he had to become what I did. But he couldn't just become what I did because if I did it, then I'd have to be held to it. So he became it and died to it. I'm trying to paint this picture. And then he died for it. The reason he had to die for it is because it wasn't for him. It was for God, which brings me to my next point. It's gonna make sense now, number 10. He was the propitiation for our sins. Come on, help me. First John 2 and 2, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins, not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Propitiation means to ease and to appease what the wrath that is was supposed to be incurred by God because God can't stand sin. We serve a holy and righteous God who can only deal with holy and righteous people. So because when Adam sinned, we all became sinners, even though we didn't do what Adam did. I wasn't there with Adam, but I got charged for what Adam did because it wasn't about the fruit, it was about the action. That's why Jesus had to become the action, die to the action, and then die for the action. And when he did that, God was pleased. Oh, that's why you can't bring nothing up against me that I've done because I didn't really do it. Because I can't do whatever's already dead. Have I lost you? Maybe you need a key or something behind what I'm saying to really go ahead and drive it. In other words, you can't bring up against me what I did when what I did is dead. If I'm in Christ, it's already paid for. Okay, you're looking at me like I'm crazy. I'll give you scripture since you need scripture. Paul said, it is no longer I. But the sin, he's saying, I didn't do it, the sin did it. But since the sin did it, I can't be charged for what the sin did. If I'm standing in what God already propitiated, God can't be mad at what's already dead. This is good preaching, y'all, but, but see, religious folk can't get this, cause you keep, that's why I said there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Cause if I'm in Christ Jesus, whatever tries to, come on. I, that's why he tells me I got to leave the dead stuff alone and walk in the light, because that dead stuff keep trying to hang up. But I, ah, come on, come on. But on the cross, he already died for it. Yeah. Okay, let me make it clear, plainer. Number 11, we almost done. He justified us. What I just tried to tell you is that he justified us. Anybody believe they're justified? Tap your neighbor and say, I'm justified. Romans five eighteen. So then, as through one transgression, there resulted condemnation to all men. Even so, through the act of one righteous man, the results are justification to all men. That means by one man sent into the world and by one man righteousness, right? And here's the thing that kills me. Jeremiah, this is the thing that kills me. When I say that we are all sinners because of what Adam did, we find it easier to agree with that. Because we know we jacked up and we doing some stuff that Adam did. But when I say because of what Jesus did, we are all righteous, that can't register because you're not doing anything righteous. (laughs) But if it's not based on what I did, but on who he. He See, some would say, this is wrong, you can't preach this, because some people use this as a license to sin. But this is not a license to sin. It, because Paul even said, what shall I say then to these things? Shall we who have been free still live any longer in it? And he said, God forbid. How can we live in those things that are dead? But when God looks at us, he doesn't see us. Oh, I know you think you're that important, but he does not see us. If Jesus saw, if God saw us, oh, my God. But he doesn't see us. He looks at us through the eyes of his son. So whatever we do gets canceled out by the blood. Somebody say I'm justified. I didn't say I do everything right all the time. I just said I'm justified. That's a legal term. Propitiation and justification is a legal term. means you can't charge me for what's already paid for. And the only way, if that hadn't happened, then it would not, number 12 would not be possible. Number 12, what I'm about to tell you, would not be possible if he did not do all of this. That is, he redeemed us. Because you can't buy no bad merchandise for heaven. The only merchandise heaven is purchasing is got to be A1 merchandise. Oh, my God. You're not going to bring Jesus. You're not bringing no knockoffs into heaven. Oh. You're not bringing anything. That's why he said he's looking for a church without a spot or a wrinkle. You ain't bringing no dirty laundry up into heaven. So the only thing that you can buy heaven has to be purchased with the blood of Jesus. I'm preaching up in here. And if it's purchased with the blood, woo, it's perfect. 1 Peter 1, 18-19, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver and gold, which is a way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with the precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. Did you catch that? That we have been brought with a lamb that has been unblemished without spot, that's why he said I'm coming for a church who sprinkles is and spotless because the only church I'm coming for is the one that is brought with with the blood of the precious son. That's why he had to stay on that cross and not get down. They said to him, if you are the son of God get down off the cross. Somebody say thank God he didn't get down. Thank God he stayed up on that cross because if he would have got down we could never get up. And because he redeemed us, woo, 13, he canceled out our sin debt. woo. Somebody say, you can't pay for that. Colossians 2.14, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us and which was hostile to us He has taken it out of the way and nailed it to the cross. Woo! Somebody say he can't, I don't know about you right now, some of y'all credit scores is about a 600 or 500 or 400, ain't even in the hundreds, but I'm trying to help you right now, I'm trying to help you, I don't care what your credit score, your FICA, your X-better, and whatever it is right here on this side, but all I know is in heaven, he canceled out. <laughs> my debt. Now, if anybody got any credit card debt and you still trying to pay it off, do you know how happy you would come up in this church shouting and wanting to testify about the goodness of God because they just canceled out all my Credit card debt, but I'm trying to tell you that heaven got better credit than anybody hell, y'all. Than Visa, MasterCard, yeah, y'all better help me. Uh, he said he canceled out the send it. Why do you keep trying to pay for what balance says zero? My God, help me up in here. Somebody say, tap in They'll say, It's zero, it's zero. Uh huh. Even when you keep doing stuff, it still reads zero. Because once the blood hits your credit statement, God says, I will not bring it up. I have forgiven your sins that are in the past, in the present, and the future. My blood. Somebody better thank God for the cross. Cause with all the hell that i was operating in ain't no way i could pay for what y'all better help me you have to go all the way back to when you was one years old and mama told you better not touch them cookies and you ate them cookies and you lied wasn't me you got to figure out every lie Every step, I better help me. Everything you did, every person you slept with, you don't got in the bed with so many people you don't even know. Your body count, y'all better help me. But the blood of Jesus, that cross canceled it out. And because it's canceled, fourteen, he reconciled. Jew and Gentile, that's Jew and me, y'all better help me, Ephesians 2.16, that he might reconcile both them in one body to God through the cross, by it having been put to death the enmity that was against us. He reconciled Jew and Gentile, mm. and he reconciled all things Colossians 1:20. And through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross, through him I say neither the thing whether the things be in he- heaven or in earth. God, somebody say he put it back together. See, if he didn't die for our sins, we couldn't be in the presence of a holy God. We couldn't pray. We couldn't worship. We couldn't be healed. We couldn't be delivered. We couldn't get in. But he reconciled Jew and Gentile. Now, I don't know about you, but you need to go ahead and make peace with whatever race, whatever nation, whatever ethnic group you don't got to get along with. We got some crazy ways about us. It ain't just the white people. Y'all better help me up in here. Uh-huh. Hey. Uh-huh. You, you, got, some, you got some wicked black people. You got some wicked white people. You got some wicked Puerto Ricans. You got some wicked Mexicans. Y'all ain't gonna say that. You got some wicked Jews. You got some wicked everybody. So, But you got some good people. Hey, everybody too. But everybody Falls under the blood of Jesus. Y'all better help me up in here. You can't be getting up in heaven talking about I won't go to the black side of heaven. We, we won't go to the <laughs> ain't gonna be no black panther party in heaven. Y'all better help me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He reconciled all things, put it all back together. That's something we all need from everybody. Somebody say, can't we all just get along? Uh, But I know you keep saying, well, they persecute me. You know the trouble that they put us through. Well, look at what they did to Jesus on the cross. Woo! You got to keep thinking about the cross. And because he reconciled you and Gentile and reconciled all things, he reconciled us back to God. Woo. 5, Romans five ten. While we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. That's 15. I ain't got three more. We about to go home. But look at all that. Look at all that. Prophecy. Him becoming sin, him dying to sin, him dying for sin, him buying us back, him bringing us back into fellowship with God, Woo! him bringing all things back. When he says he reconciles all things, that's the things that were assigned to you before sin blocked it. That's promises, dreams, and visions. Woo! That's why I say what 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 God has for you is for you. Now, ain't nobody. It, it say if you if you if you don't use it, you gonna lose it. No, you ain't gonna lose it. You just gonna die with it. Cause God ain't taking it back. There's a lot a lot of potential in them graveyards you pass. A lot of coulda woulda shoulda if I just had. I'm telling you right now, people, there are people living with less than you got doing more. So what he did, last thing, 16, 17, 18, let's give it to you. He brought in a new covenant. That's what the cross was all about. From Genesis to Revelation, it was all about ushering in a new covenant. Hebrews 9, 15 through 16. And for this reason, he is the mediator of a new covenant. In order that since a death has taken place for the redemption of the transgressions that were committed under the first covenant. Because when we sin, we sin against the law. The law is the first covenant. (laughs) is this too deep for a Sunday? Well, watch what he says. Those who have been called may receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a covenant is, there must of necessity be the death of the one who made it. The new, the old covenant was law. Moses brought in the new, the law. He wrote the law. He he came in, he wrote the law. Moses died. Moses handed over the Torah. That was the law. So everybody, every covenant, everything that was going place from Deuteronomy to the first five books of the law, that was the law. That was what's under. So we were under that law when the new covenant came in. Here comes Jesus, and they couldn't—they couldn't even understand that in the Old Testament it was all pointing to the Messiah. When the Messiah showed up, they thought that he was going to abstain and keep up the law, but he didn't come to keep up the law. came to abolish y'all I'm not gonna say it. he came to fulfill the law all right so he he didn't, he didn't come to totally wipe it away he just had to fulfill it because we could not fulfill it <laughs> So when he fulfilled the law, he brought in and he died. He said, I'm going to die so that this new covenant can be ushered in. I am the blood that goes ahead and wipes away that old law in this new covenant. Now, we couldn't operate in this new covenant if Jesus didn't get down, if he got down off that cross, but he had to die on the cross. He had to die so that you would understand. And I could understand that the payment for what was not fulfilled under the old could now be established under the new y'all better help me so he got away with law and he ushered in grace because it's by his grace, it was uh, an act of mercy, love and grace that he stayed up on that cross. But we could have grab that inheritance if he was still, oh my God, see, see, you cannot go ahead and activate a will until the person who wrote the will dies. So when the person who wrote the will dies, then you get in front of the court and you go through all the proceedings so that whatever was in the will could now be established in the life of who's living. Y'all better help me. So when Jesus died, and said, you know what, Father, it is finished. He was saying, now I can go ahead and let my children access my will. Y'all better help me. And everything that I got, I transfer over to them. But I can't give it to you That's why he had told them I must go away Cause if I don't go away I cannot send the helper Y'all better So we got to access the will and that's why we get in this word cuz I want to know what's mine. I want to know what Jesus died for that I could have. <laughs> Which brings me to number 17. He finished the atonement. Atonement. Don't get scared of the word. Praise God for the word. John 19:30. When Jesus therefore had received the sour wine, he said, "It is finished." What he meant by it is finished on that cross before he gave up the spirit was the atonement has been completed. (laughs) God is bad, boy. He's up on the cross, body aching, nails in his hand, nails in his feet. They scourged him. I mean, when they scourged him, see, don't get this pretty picture. You've seen the passion. That's what a, the scourging, when they, the Bible said, let me let me help you. When, when they turned him over to the band of soldiers, right? It was, it was a band of soldiers. It was 600. A band was 600. It was 600 men who had chains of leather. They would take the, the bones of animals. and and put it in the leather and they would take shards of rock and stone and wrap it in the leather. And what they would do is they would beat the... They beat our savior till they would beat the prisoners. See, here's the thing about the crucifixion. The reason they did it is because they didn't want the crucifixion to take long because they wanted to go home. So they would beat them till they were at the point of death and then hang them. On the cross. The, not, not every prisoner made it past the scourging because they would beat them so mad. They would beat them until their intestines were visible through their skin so when they beat our savior and humiliated our savior they beat him to the point where he took when it says he was we were he was wounded for our transgression by his stripes we are healed means they beat him so bad and yet he still had enough strength to be up on a cross and say father forgive them for they know not what they do to fulfill the prophecy when he said, it is finished. He said, Father, I became everything that they are doing. I became their beating me. I became their lying on me. I became their adultery, their fornication, their whatever it is, I became that. And then he said, Father, my father, forsaken me this is god talking to god this is the greatest one of the heaviest arguments in theology where who was he talking to he was god he was god in the flesh but who, who was he and we understand the trinity but what he was saying was listen i now understand i cannot be see god could not be in the presence of sin so at the very moment that he took on the sin of the whole world, his father turned his face from his son. Y'all, y'all got to help me up in here. Hell, I don't See, you got to understand the love of a child to see that your child is being uh, persecuted, being had to, to unrecognition, and be able to turn your face away from the pain that your child is the only son... For a people God would know would turn their back on him and and have a problem even (laughs) worshiping and praising him and giving him thanks and work. But he said it's paid for. I don't know, you you ever take somebody to dinner and and tell them it's on you, and then you take them to dinner and they are ungrateful about the fact that you spending all this money on them? And you wanna say the nerve? And never again. Jesus said it is finished. I did it. I paid for all their meal. I paid for their right to live. I paid for their admission into the gates of heaven. <laughs> it is paid for when you get to the gates, when you close your eyes on their side and it is over and Jesus say, um, why should I let you in? It is not going to be because you went to church. It is not going to be because you paid tithes. It is not going to be because you shouted. It ain't going to be because you talked in tongues and you ain't going to be because of none of that. The things you did you ain't going to be able to say anything that you did. The only thing you are going to do is fall down on your face and say, but for the grace and the blood of Jesus Christ, let me in. Y'all better come on, which brings me to my last point. Jesus said after I'd done all this, this is what the cross did. This is what the cross did. Y'all better help me. He, he rendered the devil powerless. Oh, what? Hebrews 2.14 Since then, the children share in flesh and blood. He himself likewise also partook of the same that through death he will render powerless him who had the power of death. That is the devil. What did that cross do? That cross took away every excuse. Ooh, what power has the devil have over you? Absolutely none. He's given us all authority. That's why he said, oh, death, where is your sting? Jesus took the death out of sting, the sting out of death. What? I was reading someone said, "You know what? We we are supposed to." Be. When Paul said, "You know what? It'd be more it'd be more uh, needful for me that I stay here, but it's it's far better if I would die and be with Christ." He says, "Far better." We boo hoo and, and go crit. Well, we some some do. I used to. I don't know when I stopped crying at funerals. I think it was when I realized they in heaven. I I, I really do. Because death has no power. Death is a door that we all got to go through. The question is, what's going to be on the other side of the door when you go through it? We worry about how we go through the door. We who are on this side have all kind of things go through our mind about how that person went through the door. But if, they, if we know that on this side of the door they have received Christ, we know where they're at. So why are we losing our mind? Because they went first. I didn't say he wasn't going to miss nobody. But the thing about that too that kills me half the time is we only miss them when they go. Because while they're here, we don't spend no time with them. So are we really just selfish and mad that we didn't get to spend the time that we should have spent with them? Before they decided to go through the door. And the person could be 90 and 80 years old and they uh, they live their life. How long you want them to stay here? For some it's like punishment. Like why? How many people they got to see die? I don't know, don't write me, don't text me, don't email me, I'm just saying. We don't mourn like those who don't have no hope because the devil ain't got no power. We supposed to be shouting and celebrating because that's what heaven's doing. Heaven ain't crying, oh they died, oh God. No, heaven's celebrating. Do we really believe there's a heaven? I go to some of these homegoing services, and I don't know what home they're going to, cause it don't look like heaven. It's supposed to be a party. Don't sound right. I'm telling y'all, if y'all don't pay no, if y'all don't play no gospel hip hop at my homegoing, I will ask God for a favor to come back down here and kick a verse, and then go right back. Do not. He's singing the way by and by at my film. No. Put on some The Truth Bizzle something. Y'all even throw some Jay Z in there. I don't care what you do. Whatever you got, to tell you, I'm trying to tell you. The devil's powerless. But we got the power. Sin has no more dominion over you. Now, don't go out of here. I always got to put it because that's a goal. Do not go out here doing whatever you think you're begging bad enough to do. Because I am not telling you that. I'm just telling you, it's paid for. You ask God to help you. Help me get, see, that's the difference. You got to know. that. And it's not, I, I don't want to be doing this because, you know what, I can't get into heaven if I keep doing it. No, you can't live if you keep doing it going to mess your life up because there are consequences to the things that we do, right? You, you Just because I know I'm going to heaven, I can't just keep eating fried food because ain't no amount of Holy Ghost going to stop that clogged up artery. So you got to do what we is in our hand to do and God does what's in his hand to do. He said he is able to keep you from falling. He didn't say he was going to keep you from planning. I hope I helped somebody. Falling is different from planning. And sometimes you got to pray, God, please help me from planning. this is going to be the season where you got to get rid of everything that the cross paid for. Go through your phone and delete. Go through your phone and delete. Don't block and delete because you can go into your block contacts and pre-put it. Just delete. Amen. 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 Let's stand. Can we give God praise for the cross? For what he paid for. no greater love. thank you Jesus for the price you paid on Calvary so that we could have life and have it more abundantly. It's not by works that we should boast about what you've done and what you paid for on the cross. So as we go into this Christmas season and everybody's celebrating the birth, we thank you for the purpose. We thank you for the purpose that you were born and help us to realize and give us revelation of the purpose that we were born for the time that we have, that we use it wisely, that we would move past the condemnation, the guilt, the frustration, and the opinions of people to please you and to honor you and to become all that you called us to be in this short time that you've given us. We thank you for your breath. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for all that are in the midst. We thank you for those who are on Zoom, on band, and those who will be watching on TV.
1: We ask that you continue to serve God, love God, trust God, till we meet again. In Jesus' name, amen. Grace and peace.